All right, and we are back with another episode of Disrupting Recruitment. And this week, we have Evan Herman uh, on, and uh, it's great to have you, Evan. Uh, why don't we start off with uh, just telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a recruiter with uh, uh, for the past 10 years that has recently, like, a lot of other recruiters out there found myself in transition and a lot of instability out there. And I uh, decided, uh, seeing the writing on the wall in the market, to launch my own practice that I call Hermonomics, without the E in my last name, that essentially uh, is uh, a matchmaker like a good recruiter, except I find tools, uh, specifically talent acquisition tools for employers rather than people. Which actually I find fascinating because you see this a lot in um, marketing, in sales and marketing, uh, you know, with HubSpot consultants and um, and different uh, different things like that. But there's not really uh, there is definitely a gap in the market in the recruitment marketing world and recruitment tools in terms of having sort of that broker that can help you to identify which tools best fit your tech stack, um, your specific needs. Uh, there's, I mean, a gazillion different applicant tracking systems out there, uh, CRMs. Uh, there's tools popping up every day now with AI technology. And it's a lot for recruiters to understand and, and VPs even to, you know, as they're looking at how they can make their team more effective, more productive, um, and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, so hats off to you for doing that. I think it's, uh, it's an important, uh, it's an important opportunity and, and definitely a gap in the market, uh, w within the recruitment tech space. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, uh, been uh, quite the ride, but uh, um, as as you can imagine, uh, especially solopreneurship, um, you know, every day is different. It's exciting. I have a reason to talk to just about anybody <laughs> with this new practice. Uh, it's frustrating. It's worrying. It, it's all of the above. Yeah, it's dramatic. There's it, definitely a gamut of emotions uh, being an entrepreneur. That's for sure. So. Um, what type of companies do you work with? Like, do you work with mainly large companies, small companies, everything in between? Yeah, because, um, as you mentioned, you know, being a broker and trying to be a quote, honest broker at that, it requires the highest degree of, uh, of, uh, respect and, uh, trust and rapport. Uh, and so I really just kind of to start and following wherever my personal relationships that I have that go. And so with my background, uh, I, I've worked at PNC Bank, Truist Bank, some other financial services company. I was in wealth management uh, before I got into recruiting. So it's disproportionately to start in financial services, but um, I, I, I can work with just about anybody. It's just my relationships for the reasons mentioned are disproportionately in financial services, but I can work with just about anyone. And uh, um, as many of the tools are really designed for more enterprises, um, that's where I, uh, I, 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 I tend to stay. Um, but I do hope for a sweet spot of more of that mid-market, those 2,000 to 10,000 employee companies, I think are a good market uh, for just about anybody. And, uh, 
tech or recruiting to be pursuing is they don't have a lot of that bureaucracy and can make decisions a lot easier and who's in charge is a lot clearer than at some of these large enterprises. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, we're, you know, we're seeing a lot more tools pop up that are available for those sort of midsize, uh, companies and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, let me ask you then, um, when you're working with these companies and uh, trying to identify their tech stack and, and where the gap is, what are you seeing as um, something that's sort of, is, is there a pattern of companies missing the boat on a certain part of the process, not necessarily a specific tool, but a certain part of the process um, where, you know, they, you feel that they can have uh, a big impact. Like, like what's that tool that everybody's sort of, uh, missing the boat on? Yeah, I will try and refrain as uh, part of my, my pitch is actually being technically vendor neutral, trying to find the right match for everyone. And I do believe there is a right match. Uh, for every problem, for every employer, for every talent acquisition team out there. Uh, that being said, um, since going to market with this, the main thing I've identified, which is really, I guess, more of a just a personal theory, uh, but that's proven to be reality since I launched Terminomics, uh, is that um, you can't just be a talent intelligence tool or a sourcing tool now. I think you got to be both. And I'm seeing the converge and the need for the convergence of both uh, in one tool. Um, because the, there's just always a gap if you're using a completely separate tool to find like, hey, where are all the female java developers uh, located so we can make sure we have a gender diverse team and you know where should we locate or what geographic location should we recruit from and then okay you found that now well well who are those people <laughs> like specifically and how do i contact them what's their contact info uh things like that uh and there are tools coming out that do very much uh combine these two needs and all I'll say is if I was just a pure talent intelligence tool, I'd be worried right now. Yeah. So what do you mean by talent intelligence tool? If, if somebody's listening, going, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. So that's where it's uh, when I'm talking about talent intelligence in terms of the answer I just gave, I'm talking about like more just pure data. Like, Hey, where is this talent can be found like talent mapping, but it's not necessarily helping you actually source a specific person. It's telling you where the talent is without giving you insights. Really? If any, if at all on, a specific people for you to contact, let alone how to contact them. What's their email address? Is there an online resume for them? Do they have a personal website? Do they have a GitHub page? Things like that. It's more like somehow, some way through magic and subscribing to services and buying, you know, access to these databases. Here's where all the, you know, Java developers are located using the previous example, or here's where all the nurses are that you need in this location without actually helping you put in play an actual real life person at all. Mm. Yeah. I mean, data is certainly important in the, in the process, but uh, it's important to align that data with a specific person or a specific candidate. Uh, you know, we're big believers in the fact that, 
the more data you have on a candidate. Um, you know, if you look at sports uh, in recruiting in sports, and I make comparisons in recruiting and recruiting in sports, you know, building championship teams all the time. Uh, the the number of data points that uh, a team would have on a pro- prospective athlete that they're trying to recruit or bring to their team is astronomical. They know everything about them. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not something I think we do a good job of in recruitment is really understanding the data. We, we, we talk a big game around skills and cultural fit and all of that horse caca, but um, we don't do a really good job of uh, taking the data and, and knowing what we know about a, a candidate and, and pairing that up with um, you know what we're looking for and how we fill that gap. And I think you're right. I think it needs to be sort of a sourcing and ta- talent analytics tool combined um, that sort of says, you know, this is all of the nurses in Austin, Texas that are, uh, you know, registered RNs or whatever. And and these are all the data points that we have on them. Um, I think uh, we, we, I talked uh, a little bit with, with uh, Stan on our last episode about like CV wallet and web three and, and, uh, you know, uh, candidates being able to create a, uh, you know, an online digital profile of all of their verified skills and uh, that sort of thing. And I think that's a little bit of the way of the future of, uh, you know, sort of getting rid of the resume and the cover letter and all that stuff and um, having sort of a verified profile online of this is me and this is all of my data and, and this is how you access it. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, if you were, so when you're consulting with your, with your companies, your clients, um, and this answer is, is, is hard to kind of make a generic one because it varies from company to company and depending on their size and their needs. But if you were to recommend the perfect sort of tech stack, um, and again, not specific tools, like you need this tool and this tool, but, uh, this type of tool versus this type of tool, um, you know, how, what, what do you look for in an ideal tech stack for a midsize or an enterprise level company? Sure. And then, yeah, as you might imagine that's not such a simple answer, uh, especially as I'm, uh, trying to pitch myself as a very specific matchmaker because the tools, like it's on paper that you can find the tools. You can go to a group and be like, what tools should I use? And then it's like, just like a doctor, uh, uh, there's lots of like pharmaceuticals or lots of procedures they can do. And it's, yeah, it's up to me to get down and dirty and make a specific match and also help them negotiate. And also it's not just enough to be the best tool, but yeah, that being said, um, I try and match the tools with the human team that they have available. Um, because if you don't have, you can have a great, like say data minded tool, um, you know, that gets you great data, but if you don't have people on the other end that are data minded, then the tool is going to go to waste. Uh, I, I once saw a stat, uh, from the great Farrah Reeves, if your audience doesn't know her, uh, she's, uh, now, uh, at, uh, Phenom people after years of being an independent, uh, product manager. 
uh, and uh, she had a presentation at the HR.com conference in May in Phoenix that I was at and said 70% of talent acquisition tech spend goes unused. And who knows how scientific or how accurate that is. Uh, but all I know is all the other people that like from some otherwise people I respect, uh, like some of the top influencers, top recruiters from top organizations were sitting there shaking their head. Yeah, that seems about right in our experience, uh, particularly at the enterprise level. Um, so, yeah, do you do think it's important? Obviously, you got to have an ATS. Uh, hopefully, you're an organization. I never like to badmouth anyone, but uh, everyone knows the issues with Workday. Like, it just kind of got imposed on us in talent acquisition. And it does... Uh, depending on the the preference of the decision makers or companies, it does eliminate a lot of your options if you have workday imposed on you uh, in in your as your ATS and your uh, tech stack. Um, but short of that, um, I do think whenever possible, companies uh, should have at least one dedicated sourcer, if not, uh, again, an ideal world, uh, these times notwithstanding. Uh, a one-to-one -one ratio of recruiters to sourcers. And then that opens up all sorts of possibilities of leveraging the tools out there. Because a lot of these tools are designed for more, for sourcing. And then if if you are keep a very lean team of so-called full life cycle sourcers, which between you and me, I think is mostly a misnomer, uh, they don't have the time to properly source and therefore they won't have the time to use all these great tools that combine sourcing and talent intelligence, contact info gathering, uh, data points such as, you know, hey, this IP address uh, has been coming to your website every third day, but never actually applied and helping you figure out who that person actually is. Those all those tools aren't going to go to use. They'll be part of that 70% of unused TA tech spend if you don't have the the personnel on the other end to properly uh, take advantage of these great tools. Yeah, I, it's it's important to um, you know have that sort of quarterback that is pulling all of these tools together and making sure that they're communicating. And, and one of the biggest frustrations that I see in the industry, um, you know, when people are trying to put together tech stacks, is uh, trying to get everything to integrate together you know how does how does like to get tool a to talk to tool b and tool c and d uh because uh you know, I, I think gone are the days where um you know there's companies like phenom that try to be everything to everybody uh and they don't want to play with anybody else um but uh you know companies are really trying to find you know, a, a specific tool for each function of the process. And I, and I think that's what they should be doing. I, I think, um, you know, ATSs should be from the higher, like once they apply on, but they shouldn't get involved in the, in the top of the funnel and middle of the funnel. Um, but um, so, you know, you talked about um, different tools and, 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 uh, pairing that up with a good sourcer and, and all this stuff. But what's your thoughts on um, AI driven tools um, that are, you know, trying to come out and really make the front end of the process really candidate driven and candidate engaged so that, um, you know, there's bots now that can, can 
talk to candidates. Uh, there's, you, you, you know, really you could essentially have a process where they don't talk to a recruiter until they're ready to talk to the hiring manager. Um, what's your thoughts on, on AI sort of filling in the gap? Uh, sure. For your audience purposes, uh, and, and this rec uh, it, to me results in the great distraction debate uh, it, that I privately uh, call it in our space about AI. We have to separate uh, staffing from recruiting and recruiting from sourcing. Uh, they, they're just all like uh, different sports entirely. Um, it's like the difference, but highly related like it's like the difference between ice hockey and field hockey or baseball and softball but at the end of the day they are all separate sports in our space so assuming you're talking about recruiting i've been a big proponent of of uh ai and automation are help i'm i'm a, like look what i do for a living i uh, i can't be an enemy of the tools or anti like ai anti-automation anti-technology and do what I'm be doing, but at the end of the day, this is a recruiting is a human to human uh, business, and what AI and automation I say will do best is free up the best recruiters to do their best work, which is be human. No AI, no automation, no technology can ever be as as good of a human as a real life human recruiter. And I think uh, what they're good at is what I call recruitment task outsourcing. They can automate the schedule, all the pain in the ass things. Like you don't want your best recruiters that are good at talking to people, finding people, engaging people, getting them in the pipeline, selling them on an offer, selling them on interviewing further when maybe they're re more reluctant. Uh, there's no replacement for that. If you free them up to have more time to be, engaging human to human with candidates, then that technology is great. But those that are pitching themselves like recruiters are dying uh, and are going to be replaced by recruiters, they're already facing a, a reality check. I, I think, uh, yeah, I spoke with a couple of, of tools like that. Uh, they've uh, gained a bit of nor nor notoriety. And at the end of the, the day, uh, uh, it's going to be a human that has to buy your tool. So telling the people that your whole team is going to be replaced by me isn't exactly the best sales pitch, even if it's true. Well, I think, you know, a lot of companies are looking for uh, ways to, to save um, money and, and uh, uh, the idea of uh, having a tool that can have conversations 24 seven and manage that process 24 seven increases productivity extremely uh, highly, but um, I think for me, it's, it's all about having the right tools in place to guide the candidate through the process at their own pace so that the recruiter who is good at developing relationships can do what they do best with candidates who are ready for that step of the process. So instead of having, um, you know, I, I do believe that um, sourcing is a giant waste of time. Um, I think what you're doing is, is trying to, uh, most companies spend, uh, as James Ellis puts it, most companies spend 95% of their effort trying to speak to 5% of the market that everybody's trying to speak to. Um, and the idea was, you know, like if I can get sourcers or, uh, you know, staffing firms that, that can headhunt for me and, and whatnot that will, um, 
go out and find that passive talent that's not ready to have a conversation and, and, and get them in the process. Uh, but I could tell you right now, if they're having a conversation with you, they're having a conversation with somebody else. Um, no candidate. That's, well, or very few candidates. I'm not going to dispute it. I think that's mostly uh, true, but um, kind of like me as a matchmaker um, and for tools uh, and recruiting, if you, if you have a quality sourcer, they should be able to find some of those people that others are, are not finding a way to engage with. I do agree that on paper that um, it's easy as ever. If you define sourcing simply as finding people, not actually getting them into play and selling them on like uh, engaging with you further than interviewing. And then ideally of course being hired um, then yeah, sourcing can be uh, in, in the terms of just finding people and the research and the wasted time, as you put it, can be displaced by technology and that's why i advocate for some of those they're huge they could be a huge time saver but at the end of the day uh good recruiting is being a good matchmaker and if you find for that more passive candidate um you know i i prefer the term more reluctant candidates like they're not actively applying to jobs but yeah with the right engagement the right outreach with the right message and the right match for the their career they'll they might be at least willing to engage with you and i um yeah they, i think there's very few like truly like passive not open at all to, especially in this type of market that just aren't open to new opportunities at all no matter what anyone says out there and i think the elite sourcers are able to tap into those more reluctant people find out your value proposition to their career make a match and get them to at least speak with you. For sure. Um, everybody is uh, willing to ed entertain an offer at the right time um, or an opportunity at the right time. And, uh, you know, definitely a good sourcer can sort of sell them on that and, and why it's a good uh, company and, and whatnot. But, Having and having a strong employer brand makes that job a lot easier for them. You know, if if I'm a sourcer from Disney and I'm calling, people are going to pick up the phone because uh, you know who doesn't want to talk to Disney, right? Um, and I think that's where technology and the front end of the process really can play a big difference in, um, you, you know, sort of engaging candidates at their own pace. And just teeing them up for, um, you know, the, the recruiters or the sourcers or whatever, however you want to do your your process on the back end. Um, you know, if, if you have the right chat bot and the right uh, conversational AI um, and a good automation tool uh, that, you know, sort of tracks candidate engagement and sends the right message and, and drives them through the funnel uh, and then you have sort of um, skill assessments that sort of are picking up what they're capable of along the way. Uh, you know, well, it just uh, gone are the days where a candidate wants to talk to a recruiter at the first of the process. They really are sort of in the mindset of, I want to know what I'm getting myself into before I have a conversation with the human. Um, and so that's why, you know, Candidate Hub, we're really focused on, um, 
capturing that engagement and allowing that personalization at scale so that, uh, you know, we can match opportunity with readiness. So those recruiters that are wicked and, and strong at having those conversations and saying, this is why you should join our company versus company B. Um, and, uh, you know, just getting them together and having conversations at the right time. And then you've got uh, poetry, for example, that uh, just came out from Adam Gordon, um, where you can store sort of all of those stories of, you know, this is why Canada, a company, our company is better than company B or, um, you know, all of those sort of pitches and wins and, and things that we've done um, so that recruiters can have those right conversations um, at the right time and, and uh, with the right candidate. Um, so uh, what, uh, I guess, um, what are your thoughts on uh, sort of pulling that all together? Uh, you know, we sort of touched on this a little bit, but um, if, if I want to pull that all together, um, where does that line go between uh, technology and an actual human and um, what parts would you automate of the process versus and get AI involved versus, you know, spending time as, as a human trying to sort of uh, do it all or, or whatever, like what's, what's that right blend? And, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, these, these questions are hard to answer depending on the, the, the size of the organization, because it's going to be different for every right. company, but uh, just sort of in a, in a broad sense, what's, what does that line look like for you? And um, how would you set up sort of that top of funnel uh, tech for a company to, to tee that up, you know, for those recruiters? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, Canon experience is first off everything. So it all starts at that initial, as you, as we've, uh, touched on briefly and you just uh, did in the first part of your comment there. Um, yeah, the, the first, uh, yeah, sometimes in other areas of life, they say the first 24 hours are the only 24 hours uh, in like uh, in like a war or something like that to, to respond. Uh, well, in the war for talent, the first 24 minutes are the only 24 minutes. And yeah, technology could come in play, uh, like you talked about, like at odd hours, you know, like, let, let's say you're recruiting like frontline workers or nurses, uh, you know, that really can't be on their phones or really are involved in a life and death matter on an almost daily basis, they're not going to respond to you during your recruiter's business hours. They're going to apply on their own time and they're going to want to be engaged, therefore, on their own time. And there are some great tools out there that uh, do allow you uh, through technology to do, you know, some of those, I said I've always said that recruitment tasks can be outsourced. So some of that initial engagement, hey, thank you for applying. Like what led you to be interested? You can have some conversational AI and automated chatbots, you know, that could do some FAQs, maybe help people decide like, hey, like we saw you applied for this, you know, tell us a little more about yourself. Like, and then maybe match them up for other jobs. Maybe they apply to a job uh, that, um, you know, isn't a good fit, or maybe it's one of those, you know, the recruiter hasn't gotten around to closing the rec that that always happens. And they apply like when it's still 
technically open, but it really isn't. And, you know, helping redirect those people as soon as possible. When they're engaging with you, you should find a way without asking your human recruiters to work 24-7 or rotate them in 24-7 shifts. You know, get some minimal viable engagement uh, to help facilitate candidate engagement and smooth out the process, streamline the process, and ultimately get better hires more quickly. You're right on that 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours, um, you know, and, and that's where, again, um, going back to the 595 thing, like, it, it, especially when you're dealing with that 5% of the market that everybody's dealing with, um, you know, speed kill, uh, speed is important and, and um, time kills deals. Uh, so if you're not jumping on them right away, with your best experience, your best opportunity, your best offer, somebody else is going to grab them. Um, and that's why I, I think uh, in the front end of the process, having conversational AI, um, marketing automation, um, and all of these tools so that it's it's driven at a candidate's own pace, uh, at, you know, they're engaged at the level that they need to be at the time they need to be. Um, it allows the candidate to, it allows you to deal with that 95% of the market that nobody else is dealing with and build a funnel of, of candidates. And one of the things that I think, uh, obviously, I mean, I built the whole business around it. One of the great um, challenges of our, our industry is, uh, you know, you, you said it, uh, I have a candidate that applied and maybe they applied after I, I just didn't get a chance to close the rec. So I don't even see the resume. Um, or, uh, you know, they were a silver medalist this time, but they were just missing this one skill or this person was just this much better than them. Or, um, you know, they, they just weren't ready at all, uh, for this opportunity. Um, they, you know, they 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 look like a really potentially good candidate, but they're just not ready at all. But all of this data that companies are going out and, and acquiring on candidates, uh, you know, so, sort of goes to the uh, ATS to die, and because um, recruiters are spending time just really putting out fires, and they they and they're trying to be as proactive as they can, but they're you know they're they're overwhelmed with oftentimes 50 recs or even 100 recs at a time. So they don't have the time to go in and mine that database of, of candidates and, and seeing what's, you know, who's applied in the past and and, and whatnot. Uh, so what we're seeing um, in the industry is that candidates um, are being pulled from the applicant tracking system uh, only about 10% of the time. So uh, companies are only going back to their existing data that they've already spent all of this time sourcing and marketing and paying for. Um, they're only going back to that about 10% of the time. Seems um, about right. Yeah. I was going to say, does that's that one of those feel scenes right about right? I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how scientific. Yeah. That that's one, another one of those scenes about right stats. Okay. I'll, I'll accept that. So um, yeah. What's what to you, to to you, what's the answer to that? I, I think that's that's a golden opportunity that needs to be capitalized on. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that comes into, uh, there's a lot of things like without trying to knock my own perspective, employer customers, there, I think I preach in the choir with you and your audience. There are so many things that are just ass backwards in our space. And I, I another post as a follow on to the one that led you to have me here on the show uh, was companies are going the wrong way. It's during times like now, like rough times, uncertain times like now are when the number one time to engage with talent and speak with you. So even the most passive of candidates not actively applying is probably going to be, if you have a decent, you know, opportunity, they're probably at least willing to uh, like speak with you and form a relationship with you. If only for later on, like as no one feels comfortable right now in their situation and they're laying off sourcers before they're laying off the recruiters. And I'm like, no, now is the, best time to begin pipelining for the future and forming relationships. And then when you are hiring again, now it, it, it time to source should ideally be zero later on. And then if you, once you are hiring again and need more offers generated, offers approved, working with the HRBP and finance and all the stuff that it entails, what I, again, I call them so-called full life cycle recruiters because they don't most of them don't actually source with the stat <laughs> just mentioned uh, um, that you need more of them when times are good, because ideally your sourcers in the bad times built up a great database. So you need comparatively more so uh, recruiters during the good times and more sourcers to build up your database and pipeline for the future during the not so good times like we have now. And they, they for companies, for whatever reason, have that backwards. They're, they're retaining more of the recruiting team and sometimes let go all the sourcers if they're really like not doing much hiring at all. And I'm like, no, this is like the number one pipelining market like since spring 2020 that we'll probably see in our lifetime. I, you know, we, since we've talked about sports a couple of times, uh, so already I I've said this before, I've said it again, I wrote a blog about it. Um, and I, and I'll keep preaching it, uh, you know, until somebody proves me wrong, but, um, you know, there's three ways to build a championship team. It's, it's free agency trades and draft. And, um, you know, free agency is the most expensive way that you can acquire top star. Uh, you know, if you're going to go out and try to get Sidney Crosby, or you're going to go out and try to get LeBron James or, you know, um, those types of, of talent, um, when they become available on the free agent market, you're going to have to pay big dollars and you're going to have to be a team that they're going to want to go to. So, you know, you need to invest a lot of money in employer branding, which you should be investing in employer branding anyway. Um, and, and so it's a really, really expensive way to bring in talent. Um, and really inefficient way to bring in talent because you're fighting for that 5% that everybody wants. Uh, trades, again, cost a lot of money because you're trying to buy somebody from another team. So, you know, if you're paying for recruiters to go out um, or sourcers to spend all of their time trying to find talent that's working for another team um, and then convince them to come work for you, uh, you, you know, you're going to have to pay them a top dollar offer. Uh, then you have pay equity issues on your own team. And, and, and again, there's like a whole bunch of, of reasons. But the draft, the one that only the true fans follow, you know who's coming up through the, through the pipeline, um, you know, because not 
every year you get to draft a guy like Connor Bedard, who's going to be a superstar in the league from the first day he steps on the ice. Um, you know, you, you, you spend a lot of time building that pipeline of talent through junior OHL, uh, you know, the American league into the NHL or, uh, college ball into, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, and because we're so busy trying to put out fires and be reactional and transactional, just trying to fill holes, um, you're right. Now is the time to sort of shift that mindset of, I need to focus on building that pipeline of talent of raving fans that are becoming engaged with our brand that when I need a Java developer or I need a nurse or I need a whatever, there's a group of people that are like fighting for the opportunity to make the big club and be the next person that sort of breaks the lineup and, and makes the team. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's where recruitment needs to focus. Um, the problem is that's a long-term play and people are too worried about today to plan for tomorrow. Exactly. Uh, another post of mine last week, uh, the number one concern, uh, and I'm sure you see this in your practice is how do I keep my job uh, from talent acquisition leaders, the decision makers Two, how do I keep my team's jobs as, or as much of them as possible? And then maybe three, like, how do I solve like actual problems using tools and other services outside my own company? Uh, and yeah, they just have other things. People are focused on putting out their own fires. Cause also, as I'm sure you've heard, many teams went overboard with laying off recruiters and now they're just stuck with way too lean of a team, even with these more lean times. Uh, um, the, some of our recruiters that are, still gainfully employed one of the lucky ones uh they're as busy as ever because now they they're stuck with a, a higher workload uh stuck on them well it's it's like firing salespeople when your business is slow right uh you know i can't afford these high that you know the these these expensive salespeople. well those are the people you need because they're the ones that are going to get you business to uh, to, to turn this around. And um, it's the same thing with recruiters, like recruiters, talent acquisition is so much, so often viewed as a cost center, uh, but it really is a revenue generation uh, division because without people, there is no company and there is no revenue. Um, and so, you know, the really good companies know what their revenue per employee is. And every time you hire somebody, you're, your uh, revenue per employee should be going up, even if it's, you know, a completely 100% overhead position, it still should be driving value to the bottom end of your business. Um, and so laying off your recruitment team, any part of your recruitment team in a market where it's slow uh, is detrimental, I think, because when the market picks up, now you've got people that are learning about your business because you've just hired a new recruitment team. So they're learning. It's like bringing in a new salesperson to learn your product so they can sell it. Uh, you know, your business is your product. So if you have 
a recruitment team that's still, you know, they've, they've, and you've stuck with them through the, the, the hard times, they're going to be passionate about your business. They're going to love your business. They're going to understand your business and they're going to understand your competitors and they're going to be able to sell your business versus your, one of your competitors. Um, but if you keep cycling through your recruitment team, because you, you hire when you need to, and then you lay them off when it's slow, uh, you know, it's like hiring new salespeople to come in and learn your product and sell it and then lay them off and bring in new salespeople to learn your business mm -hmm. and sell it. It's, it's counterproductive. Um, it's but th this is the time to have them building that pipeline and, um, uh, having those conversations with people who are not ready yet, but we know they're going to be ready down the road. Right. It, it, exactly. Especially for those like tough to fill roles and, um, yeah, I have been, uh, with my new practice and what I'm doing now, been, uh, uh, getting more familiar with the, 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 the healthcare recruiting space. And I was at the Indeed conference in Atlanta and, uh, as you, for reasons, uh, you and your audience might be able to imagine a lot of their t very top customers, uh, were in healthcare, specifically, uh, nurse, uh, recruiting and staffing, uh, organizations and, um, you know, one, uh, company said that, yeah, their biggest challenge is, you know, they're in like West Texas. Uh, and, uh, so right. As long as this, a place exists, uh, like that job can't be remote. And as, as long as a place exists, there's people living there, they're going to need hospitals and those hospitals are going to need nurses and doctors and other, uh, people. And, right these nurses often have like so many options and it's like how do i get them to come to like midland texas uh um and there's just such high turnover and the only option i guess is to go to these traveling nurses and even those are tough and they're more mm -hmm. expensive um you know and get them like hey it's just three months see a new part of the country that you've never been to uh etc and and it's like hey when the answer is whenever you get a chance, even when you don't need a nurse, always be on the lookout and at least be engaging with them, even if you don't have a need right then and there. And yeah, companies huge like uh, they're from their own ATS alone, uh, missing out on a huge opportunity, but also just, yeah, whether it's social media or, you know, people playing around on your website and giving you little cookies of who they are and hints of who they are and teasing you. You got to capture that or, you know, finding alternative strategies and don't be going after, you know, uh, the same exact people as your competition and, you know, find, try and find a way to be where they are, like rather than the traditional recruiting sites and finding people, I don't know, like join, uh, like using the Midland, Texas example, like join, a, um, you know, uh, mid Midland natives, like and so maybe there's someone that's like eager to return home, and like, hey, does anyone know a, a nurse that's eager to return home to Midland? And it might to them be a cool place, rather than, uh, I guess the perception that it's not so desirable a place to uh to be a nurse at well, things like that. You get you got to just be where your audience is, and you got to engage them when they're willing to engage with you whether you're hiring or not. The, the problem is waiting until after a uh, fire has erupted to try and put it out. Why not um, have the solution ready to go rather than wait for a fire to come I'm out? I'm sure there's probably a nurse somewhere who's tired of all of the ruckus and commotion and 
pace of a large city hospital that would probably love the opportunity to go to a small town and have a much quieter job. Anyway, um, listen, I really appreciate your point of view. Uh, I think what you're doing is is needed. Um, there's so much tech out there and so much popping up every day that, uh, you know, having somebody that can kind of understand what your business needs and, and how it will uh, better uh, solve some of its challenges using the right technology is, is important. So thank you very much for uh, being on today. Uh, it was a great conversation. Um, I will definitely tag uh, you know, your LinkedIn and, and all that stuff. So people can get a hold of you if they're looking for, uh, you know, somebody can help them with, uh, with understanding their tech stack and what's missing, uh, you know, definitely reach out to Evan. Uh, so, uh, thanks a lot, man. It was, it was great having you on here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, always enjoy these conversations and overall against all hope, trying to put a dent in some of the problems that we're facing and hopefully change their minds or open up uh, some people's minds uh, about, you know, there are better ways uh, to improve this wonderful profession. That's all we, we can here. try to do. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Thanks.